Inside Chicago Government. Welcome to another in a series of interviews with Ben Jarofsky. I'm Dave Gloetz. Ben writes on government and politics for the Chicago Reader, and he's here with me today under the L tracks. How are the trains running today, Ben? On time. Undaunted by the snowfall. Yes, thanks to our mayor. I think we could go all the way back and credit Michael Bolandic for that if we want. Which part? The fact that snowfall is cleared. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this hardly constitutes snowfall, but whatever. All right. Today we're talking about your article that appeared in the Reader on January 24th, 2013, titled The Chicago Manual of School Closings. In this article, you list the actions of Chicago public schools with regard to school closings and charter implementation. Yes. In the second ward, specifically, on the near south and west sides. You write of Cather Elementary, at which Chicago Public Schools chose to site a charter school, as, quote, part of the district's broader attempt to spread charters through as many of low-income neighborhoods as possible. That is correct, Senator. What evidence do you have of such a policy? Well, it was called Renaissance 2010. We're going back in time. Created by Mayor Daley. Mayor Daley. I remember the speech. I can't remember the year, so don't quote me on the year. I want to say about 2010. Two or three or somewhere that in there. Sounds about right. Yeah, somewhere at that point, 2004, I can't remember. Arnie Duncan was the head of the schools, and he was urged on by the civic community. The purpose of that was to create 100, I believe it was 100 new schools by 2010, hence the name, Renaissance 2010. There was going to be a renaissance of public education. And it quickly became clear that what they had in mind was closing existing schools in many cases and then adding charter schools and smaller schools. And so you got to 100. I remember talking about it with the press. This is in the days when press aides would actually talk to me. And it was a great off-the-record conversation where the press aide explained that to get the magic number 100, every single construction project then underway, even if it was already underway, even if it was not building a new school, it was refurbishing a new school, it was going to be added to the list. Cook the books. Yes. And one of the key points the civic community was urging and the Mayor Daly embraced was that you looked to all alternatives, that the old uh, model had failed that the wave of the future were these charter schools that were free from some of the regulations, the rules, the burdens that their ordinary schools had. So that was sort of the great start. I mean, charter schools had already been in existence, but they were propelled forward after that. And they began to issue requests for proposals for charter operators looking to operate, in this case, in East Garfield Park, which is not far from where you live, Dave, as you know. I think you know where you live. My trouble is too many people know where I live. Yes. So if you take a look at the map, your favorite newspaper and mine, the Tribune, has run the map. Catalyst has run maps of this. If you take a look where the charters are scattered throughout Chicago, you'll see that there's the greatest concentration in low-income black neighborhoods because that's where they sought the charter. That's where the, the request for proposals asked them to operate there. Anyway, that's been the policy for the last however many years that is. And we seem to now be finally sort of reconsidering it, I suppose. I just want to clarify that last point. The RFP that went out to charter operators specifically asked for proposals for these neighborhoods. Yeah, like the East Garfield Park neighborhood in this particular case. But not like, you know, Ravenswood or, you know, Northwest Side. Right, no. Well, I mean, I will now argue 
from the other side's point of view that there's no need for a charter school in Ravenswood because the local schools are scoring high on their test scores or no need for a new model. Yes. So yeah, it's pretty obvious to me in retrospect that um, there's something else going on here. And I think as with most instances dealing with education in Chicago, Dave, it's only partly to do with the actual schooling of children. And there's a lot of other things, politics, real estate, ideological issues, that kind of thing. A related point is the conclusion you make at the end of this article, and I, I want to talk about that, but first I want to recap the schools that you talk about in the second word. I made a list here. There's about eight or nine schools that you talk about in this article. One is the aforementioned Cather Elementary and Beidler Elementary. CPS wanted to put charters in both those neighborhood schools, but rescinded that decision or, or that attempt. You talk about Medill Elementary on 1326 West 14th, and CPS closed it and opened Urban Prep Charter, mm-hmm. Medill Primary at 1301 West 14th, just down the street. So confusing, I know. Also closed and reopened as a charter, Chicago Tech Academy. Mm-hmm. Gladstone Elementary, CPS closed, opened as part of the Noble Charter Network. Jefferson Elementary, CPS closed and opened a magnet school, not a charter. Then you talk about Skinner Elementary, a selective enrollment school whose population was moved while its west side building was rehabbed. Now it's called Skinner West. And then right around the same time, CPS opened Skinner North, a new selective enrollment school on the near north side. After all that, and mind you, there's only three charters in that mix, you concluded that CPS uses charters to take care of a community's educational needs during the time poor people are moving out and wealthier people are moving in, at which point they create a regular public school with unionized teachers who get paid a decent salary. Yes, kind of well written. I don't get how that follows from those schools that I just listed. Some of the schools are charters in the poor neighborhoods, and then two of those schools are quote-unquote real Chicago public schools with unionized teachers. So what they do is you have a neighborhood that's gentrifying, All right, let me back up. There's two reasons why you see a depopulation, if you will, in Chicago public schools, a falling off. Two main reasons. One is that the Chicago Housing Authority has literally moved people out of the community by tearing down public housing, which has happened throughout the city, as you know, throughout the last 15 years or so. And the second, which is what we've seen on the north side, is where you have gentrification where the rents and property values become prohibitive, so lower-income families move out and upper-income families move in, and there's that moment in time where either the upper-income residents either don't have children or have children but are not willing to send them to the local schools, and so the population falls. What neighborhoods would you cite as an example? Lakeview and, and Lincoln Park have undergone this sort of transformation. We saw it happen in Lincoln Park in the 80s, 90s, Lakeview, 90s, and O's. So you have now you have neighborhood schools in Lakeview, like Nettlehorst, Early. The populations fell drastically during this transitory demographic time. Now it's coming up as the upper-income residents are saying, oh, this is a nice neighborhood school. I'm going to send my kid to this school. And they're becoming quite popular. It's probably going to happen in Logan Square to a degree, Wicker Park. And the South Loop, it's happening. It's a very similar situation in the South Loop and the West Loop, where more middle-class families move in through gentrification, and they have the decision to make. Where will we send our children to school? Um, Will we send them to private school? Will we leave the city? They begin to advocate for a local neighborhood school. So what the Chicago public schools have done 
is they try to accommodate them as much as possible. I think it's a good thing. So you see the Skinner situation, which is a long, complicated story, which was a school for restricted enrollment. Neighborhood people began saying, we want more neighborhood slots in that school. So what they did was they created a second Skinner, which was just for restrictive enrollment, thus opening up more neighborhood slots in the old Skinner. And then similarly with the uh, school at Jefferson that I was talking about, STEM. Let's stop at Skinner for a moment, but that doesn't support your conclusion. Skinner does not because, A, there was no charter there involved at all. Secondly, the original Skinner, pretty much they got a rehab of the building and it stayed intact. This is the second part of the conclusion, which is that when middle class parents began to coalesce around the school issue and demand a school, the Chicago public school system responds by giving them a real Chicago public school, a quote-unquote regular Chicago public school, generally either a newly built school or a refurbished old school. The point is when a neighborhood first depopulates... That constituency doesn't rise up. There's no middle-class constituency of great number. In many cases, it's just the depopulation caused by tearing down housing or the first incremental signs of gentrification, then they just close school. Oh, this school's enrollment has fallen. This school's a failing school. We're going to close it and make it a charter. They don't say we're going to close it and make it a regular school. So it seems to me, the point I'm making, that charters are used in neighborhoods that are transitioning from low income to middle income. And if they never make that transition, not every neighborhood completely gentrifies, then the charter schools will exist there. But if they do make that transition, if they do become middle-class neighborhoods, then there's a good bet that the Chicago public school system will respond by creating a quote-unquote real school. It's an interesting contrasting attitude toward public schools. On one hand, when they service low-income people, they're bad and we should close them and replace them with charters. On the other hand, when they service middle-income people or upper-income people, they're good and let's have more of them. Then following your supposition to its logical conclusion, that means that charters by themselves are not an endgame of this school system, that they're a transitory tactic which I think would surprise a lot of charter opponents. I mean, that, that sort of conclusion is not one that they would expect. I mean, how long does transitory, you know what I mean? How much of a time, when I say transitory, it could be a lot of time. Generations. Generations. It all depends on, you know, the demographics of a neighborhood. I don't think the evidence has shown that middle-class parents send their kids to charters, by and large. I think charters in Chicago have been largely for poorer people, for poorer lower income, working class, lower working class, whatever you want to call them. By and large, that's what the numbers show. Interesting. I remember doing a story when this point came home to me, the attitudes that people in Chicago have toward public education and charter schools. I was doing a story about the community that's near the uh, Grant Park where they were having the fight over the Children's Museum. And I was talking to residents in that area. So this is an area of the Gold Coast, well-to-do neighborhood. It's a very up-end area, very expensive area, and families were starting to move in. And so the residents there were demanding that the public school be built there. They never got one built there, but they were asking for one. And I remember talking to a woman in the area, and she said, we want a real public school. We don't want a charter school. And that's when it kind of dawned on me that there is a distinction in the minds of people in Chicago that a charter school is not for them. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that it's a non-union workforce and uh, the teachers don't get paid as much, and there's an attitude. I was being a bit of a wise guy, but it's true. I think people look at this and go, well, you know, the more you pay the teachers, the better they will be because you're going to get better teachers, which kind of stands to reason. It's generally how things work in this country. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. So, you know, if you want 
inexperienced teachers or teachers who are burnt out or teachers who um, are clinging for their jobs because they're working for despots who will fire them at the drop of a hat. You know, they're looking over the shoulder. They're paranoid. There's a lot of charter schools that will fit your uh, bill. Speaking of looking over your shoulder, let's talk about the Chicago Public Schools Commission on School Utilization. Okay. One of my favorite topics. This uh, eight- or nine-member panel was formed to issue recommendations. I'm quoting now from its website. Quote, issue recommendations to Chicago Public Schools on how to create a path for right-sizing the district. End quote. The school superintendent, Barbara Bird-Bennett, maybe we can call her Triple B, B3, has said that she expects the commission to give CPS a list of schools that it should close. Commission head Frank Clark, however, has said that the commission will not give CPS a list of schools to close, but rather recommendations on what process to follow. What do you think is going on here? Well, this will be a subject for another column, which I'm sure we'll be talking at length. I've been thinking about this a lot. I think what happened is Mayor Emanuel got off to a very bad start to put it mildly, on the whole issue of school closings. And he tried to ram school closings down the throats of Chicagoans. I know we must have talked about this because uh, it was about a year ago or so, and he, it was just a stage political event where he had paid protesters showing up to support the closing of these schools on the grounds that, one, the schools have failed, so we're doing it for the children. <laughs> we're closing their schools for the children. Isn't it always for the children? It's always for the children. And two, we can't afford to keep them open, even though... It's not clear how much money you actually save by closing a school. It's a marginal amount in the total scheme of things anyway. So if we're really looking out for the students, maybe what we should do is use these lower enrollment schools to give them smaller class size, which would require spending more money, okay? So that is what he doesn't want to do. He just wants to cut what he spends on public schools in the name of helping children. What's interesting to me is that lower class size, which is a good thing, has somehow become conflated with underutilization, which is bad. Yes, and let's give credit to WBEZ. They just ran a story. I think you were one of the people who sent it to me. Uh, it was an excellent story about how in these underpopulated schools, they're closing classrooms so that you still have high class size. So you're not taking advantage of the empty space to give more to the kids. You're still giving them less. Because they don't have enough teachers. Yeah, they don't have enough teachers because they're going on the cheap. They don't want to yeah. spend money. Yeah. They'd rather kick it out to a charter school that gets to what I was saying before, that pays teachers less, you know, makes them work more. That in the name of helping kids. So Rom got off to such a bad start with this that he had to stop and think of a politically safe way to do it. So he drafted Frank Clark. I think Terry Hillard, the former police chief, is also on it. He put a blue ribbon committee. That's what they used to call them when I was a kid, blue ribbon committees, to study this and come up with advice. And the blue ribbon committee held some public hearings and came to the conclusion, it's pretty obvious, that Chicago public schools are not ready to close schools. They have no clue at the human capital, if you will. When you close a school, you got to shift the kids somewhere. Unless you're going to put them on a bus and send them to Iowa, Alana, using the last story, you got to put them in some other school. Well, then there's all sorts of issues. Does that school have the space for the kids? Will you be crossing gang lines? Do you have rival gangs mixing together? Will kids have to go across dangerous big thoroughfares like Western or Ashland? I mean, there's a lot of logistical issues that you have to deal with. Of course, we've been in flux with our leaders of the Chicago Public School. It's like it's a revolving door there. We have the superintendent left. They got rid of the people that had been there. Then they brought in new people. Who knows who's calling the shots anyway? Is anybody looking at any of these things? So essentially what Frank Clark told Mayor Rahm Emanuel is 
if you want to do this, you're not putting it on me. (laughs) (laughs) Were you surprised that the commission actually came out and said some of these things? You know, they also said you shouldn't close any high schools. You shouldn't close any tier one schools. You know, they just they started saying, you know what? You shouldn't be closing a lot of these places. I'm surprised when anybody dares to dissent against the prevailing wisdom of these people we elect as our mayor. But in this case, I think they were asking way too much of Frank Clark. Bear your neck, Frank. Yeah. We're sharpening the blade. Right. right? We'll dump it all on you. And, you know, he just said, no, you're not going to dump this on me. You wanted to close these schools, so you close them. You figure it out. Well, hold on to the rest of that for next time. We'll tease our listeners a little bit. Uh, If you want to hear more about the Commission on School Utilization, you'll have to tune back next time. Ben Jarowski, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, David. If you'd like to hear more of our interviews, you could search online or you can go to Twitter or Facebook and search for Inside Chicago Government. And we welcome your questions and comments via Twitter or Facebook on our Facebook page or email us via contact at shygov.com. I'm Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.